If you have your Bibles, and if you're using U version, you can go to our notes. You can head over to Luke chapter 6. Um, I've been doing a personal study through the book of Luke for, uh, I think, about a month and a half, two months now, and I've just loved diving into the book of Luke. But we are starting a brand new series at K-First, and for those joining with us online, uh, make sure that you, you just type into the to the messaging, type into the thread there where you're watching from. Give us your city, give us your state. Uh, if you're watching from another nation, give us uh, the place where you're watching from. We'd love to know where you're from and just say hello to you. Uh, the series is called Spin. This has been a series that I've been planning out for almost a year now. And the idea actually came from something called a spin room. Now, if you're thinking of spin and you're thinking of spin class, I'm not talking about a spin class. If you don't know what a spin class is, it is a, a terrible place to be, even the cold realm. And the reason why we've called this spin is because I, I have just noticed through the years of following Christ and being involved in church that many times we can do that to scripture. Is we can take scripture, like one verse, and we can spin it in a direction that we want it to go that we can camp out on maybe what we wanted to say, or we can spin it in a direction that we wanted to go in in order to be used for a purpose that we want it to be. And I, I want to be a church that goes deeper than just reading a simple verse. Because many times people will take a verse out of context, they'll use it for their agenda. Or I've seen verses, I've seen this on Facebook a lot, verses are used as weapons against others. Or we use verses as justification for actions. And sometimes it's just a simple misinterpretation because we don't know the context. My heart for K-First is that we would never be a church that is a uh, surface level scriptural people, that we would be deeper than that. So my goal for the series itself is for us to be people that will go past skin deep, that we will have a deeper understanding, and we will also be a people that will study the scriptures as best as we can. And so what I've done is I have chosen eight scriptures over the course of the next eight weeks, including this week, that are extremely popular, very used. In fact, I promise you could probably go to Hobby Lobby and see them on plaques. And I'm going to challenge us to go deeper on these scriptures so that we understand them. And the one that I've chosen to be first um, is one that I think is so well known that both believers and non-believers use it. And it's Luke chapter 6, verse 37. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not judge others. I grew up on the, K, uh, the KJV. The King James says, judge not lest he be judged. That sounds a lot more intense and serious. But the New Living says, do not judge and you will not be judged. And for some of you that have hung out in the social media world, you have probably seen this or variation of this utilized where somebody has said something is wrong and immediately someone jumps in and says, hey, judge not, or Jesus never said to judge. Again, it's quoted by both Christians and non-Christians more than, honestly, more than John 3, 16. And I have people say, hey, I thought you Christians weren't supposed to judge. It doesn't say somewhere in the Bible that you're not supposed to judge. And so what I've seen is we have taken that scripture and we have spun it in a way to keep people from declaring something wrong that we don't want them to declare wrong. 
And what I find quite hilarious and ironic is that the people that say don't judge are actually judging the people that are, they think are judging. Pure irony. Don't judge, but you're still judging them. But what we find out when we really read the passage is that judging entirely misses the point of the entire passage. Because if you grew up in church and you read that scripture, it says, judge not lest they be judged or do not judge. And others, uh, and you yourself will not be judged. Some of us don't even realize that's not even the whole verse. It's just a sliver of the verse because the passage does not forbid judging. It actually forbids hypocrisy. And what we can do is we can go into these type of verses and hijack it. In fact, the title of my message today is called text jacking. We text jack these verses to spin them, to mean what we want them to mean instead of uh, and when we should be tending to what it actually says. Uh, now, one uh, graphic that I had my admin make for the service, you could find it on your U version, is a kind of a graphic that we've created. I actually created it on my whiteboard originally that shows what we tend to do with scriptures. We look at a little part, we kind of are familiar with the outside parts, and we ignore the rest of the passage because we get so locked in on one part of the conversation. Um, I don't know if you have ever walked in in a conversation and got us a little sliver of it, and you thought the entirety of the of the conversation was about that. That actually happened tonight, hearing somebody talk about one little sliver of information. That's all I heard. And immediately my mind began to run all over the place. But I'm here to say, when it comes to scripture, we just can't live and operate with scripture in that manner. In fact, the main point of my message tonight is this, is I'm convinced you love people into the kingdom of God more than you judge people into the kingdom. We are to love people into the kingdom more than we can judge them into the kingdom. And so what I've done is with some staff members, we have formed a very simple way just to understand scripture. My goal is to help you and to make it simple for you to find and follow Jesus. So we come up with a very simple way to help understand and digest scripture in a better way. In fact, my, the philosophy is taking a step back. In fact, we're gonna help you take three steps back. And so let me help you understand this. So when it comes to Luke chapter 6 verse 37, which we've already read for you, we're going to help you to understand that better by giving you the strategy that we want you to employ during this entire series is just taking steps back. The first step back is this, is look at the surrounding verses. Don't judge. Are you going to be judged? Don't condemn. You're going to be condem uh, condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven, give, and you will receive. Why? Because with the amount that you give, you're going to receive that back. Or some translations say, the measure you use will be used upon you. That's why I like the recipe metaphor. I don't know if you've ever really messed up a recipe in which you used a tablespoon instead of a teaspoon. I remember when my uncle and I, my mom's youngest brother's only four years older than me, three years, almost four years. And so we grew up like brothers. I remember one night, they, someone left us alone for some wild reason. And we decided we wanted to make pizza dough from scratch. And so I remember we, we may have messed up a measurement. And when it comes to baking, measurements are everything. Why? Because baking is a science. You have to have exact measurements unless you are professional and you can work through that with just eyeballing stuff. But I remember we weren't sure what a teaspoon or a tablespoon was or anything like that. 
but it just said, I thought it was like a teaspoon of salt, like a flattened teaspoon. We took a heaping tablespoon of salt, put it in the dough, worked it through. We did all the stuff we did, got the sauce out. We made the pizza and we decided, because the crust is the best part of the pizza. If you don't believe the crust is the best part of the, the, of, of the pizza, you need Jesus because that's the best part. So we decided to start crust first, which is weird. And what we ate that night in one bite was the biggest salt bomb that we have ever, ever eaten. It was horrendous. And we just did not understand until grandma came home and we were telling her about it. She goes, well, tell, walk me through the recipe. And she just laughed hysterically. She goes, did you throw the pizza away? We're like, well, saved you some. And yeah, she wasn't going to touch the pizza whatsoever. But the idea is measurements are important. And what happens when it comes to judging is that the scripture is warning us that if you want to think through judgment and forgiveness, you have to think through what you're expecting to get. And Jesus says, don't expect to give any less than what you already gave out. The ingredient we start with is compassion. And from that measurement, we are given compassion or judgment or condemnation, whatever we dished out, that measurement comes back upon us. And it said, the amount you give will be the amount you get back. So that's, we took one step back. What does the verse before say? What does the verse after say? Step two. Step two is more than just looking at the surrounding verses, is look at the entire paragraph. Look at the full paragraph. Because sometimes we get tricked up by verse numbers or chapter headings. Some of your Bibles, you've got those little tiny paragraph headings. Sometimes we get so tripped up and we're like, well, Luke wrote those chapter headings in there. Luke did not write the chapter headings in there. Um, the KJV or the NIV or the ESV or whatever translation put those in there. And so we tend to break those up. But look at some of the things that, that are said. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will, be, will return to you. Press down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap and the amount you give will, be, will be determine, determine the amount you give back. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind lead another? Or will they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log or a beam in your own? How can you think saying, friend, let me help you help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye and you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. This is pretty intense language, but it helps us to see the judge not thing that we have been leveraging against others is not about judgment. It's all about hypocrisy. It is a place where we are to self-examine our hearts so that we can create more room for grace in our life. Because if we can see ourselves in need of grace, we can see others with a need of grace. So often that we can sometimes be so judgmental of ourselves. I've learned the people that are the most judgmental of others usually are the most judgmental of themselves. And they don't know what to act out of other than hurt. And I love the terminology in verse 38 that is utilized. It says, pressed down, shaken together, making room for more. For years, I never understood that. My pastor would use that during offering. Give, and it'll be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together. And I'm like, why is my money being pressed down, and what does that do? And all of a sudden, I had this revelation one day of what the Scripture truly meant. As I was studying it, 
I thought of a bag of chips. I don't know if any of you have opened up a bag of chips. I'm from Detroit, so better made chips are the way to live. How many of you have ever opened a bag of chips and you thought to yourself, why didn't they fill the whole bag? Especially when you open up the best type of chips, salt and vinegar chips, God's chips. Those are the best chips. Jesus ate those uh, at the Last Supper sometime. I love salt and vinegar chips. But the reason why they're not full when you get them is because when they were in the factory, they were full. And on their way to being sold at the store, those bags get, what happens? Shaken up and they settle down. So by the time that gets shaken up and settled, you open a bag, you see that there's room for more. Perhaps, perhaps, if we started off with compassion, like the chapter, or like the paragraph starts, and we started with compassion, and we can let the compassion settle our hearts, it could shake us up enough in our lives to help us deal with ourselves to see that we may not be as full and as good as we think we are, that the shaking actually sees we have more room for growth, we have more room for grace, we got more for God to do in our lives that instead of working and judging immediately, let's step back into the compassion of God and begin to say, God, would you work in my life? Would you check my heart? And perhaps in that place that there could be shaking and settling. So instead of seeing what people lack, we can look at our lives and say, we have more that God needs to do in us. This passage is not about judgment. It's dealing with our religious hearts. Jesus was telling these people, stop pointing at others because that measure you're using for condemnation, it's just going to go right back on you because you're dealing with others and you're not dealing with yourself. And he's saying, step back into compassion. Step back into the compassion of the Father and allow that to shake you and settle you to see how much more space needs to be filled in your life before you could think about condemning anybody else. I wrote this down in my journal this week. We should amend our own behavior before we attempt to apply it to somebody else. We ought to amend our own behavior before we try to apply our behavior to somebody else. Step three. So think about our steps. We see a scripture. We take one step back. Here's the surrounding scriptures. Step two, we see the paragraph. Step three, look at the whole chapter. Now, this is so elementary, but it's something that I think so many people just don't think about. We look at one verse, we take it, we spin it, but we're trying to teach simple responsibility for the scriptures. So if you look around the verses, and if you actually want to see its partner verse, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says the exact same thing. But what you're going to see is when you get kind of a step back, you realize that this verse of judging comes out of the Beatitudes just after a section called love your enemies. So we got the Beatitudes. We have a section where Jesus talks about loving your enemies. And out of loving your enemies, be compassionate. And out of loving your enemies and compassion, be careful on the measurement of hypocrisy you act out of. Because that is going to be heaped upon you. It is a heavy, heavy chapter. But the goal here is not to stop judging as much as it is to keep us from being judgmental. Let me say that again. The goal here is not to get us as believers to stop judging as much as it is to get us to stop being so judgmental. What do I mean by that? Pronouncing condemnation over somebody's life. It is, it is natural and it's actually a godly thing to judge things right and wrong. 
If you don't believe me, read further in the chapter because just a little bit later, Jesus begins to talk about how you will know a tree by its fruit. And right there, Jesus says, don't judge. And then all of a sudden starts talking about judging. It's because he's talking about hypocrisy and he gets to the place where he says, listen, we have to be a people that bear fruit. But there's a heart that we need to capture here. And it's the heart of Jesus. A Jesus that says, you know what? It's, yeah, judging is a part of a Christian life, but being judgmental, being condemning toward an individual, it's just not where we live. Because it's such hypocrisy to condemn somebody of their sin, but we approve of our own sin. And so I just want to give you a few closing thoughts as we wrap things up. Number one, don't judge someone's story by the scene you found them in. Don't ever judge somebody's story by the scene you found them in. Some of us have seen individuals, whether it's on social media or in person, and some of us have stumbled upon individuals in incredible pain, and we've made judgment calls about who they are by what they posted, what they said, what they did, based upon a moment, and just based upon a scene that you found them in, rather than getting to know them. I love this quote from Abraham Lincoln. I don't like that man, but I must get to know him better. I don't like that man. I must get to know him better. I love that one of our former presidents, when he sees somebody that he doesn't like, he sees a scene, but he knows he doesn't know the whole story. I wonder if we can help stem the spirit of judgment by just simply asking people about their pain, asking somebody about their story, asking somebody about their, their, their journey. There are some people, they have had people judge them by a moment instead of saying, man, somebody must be hurting. What? are you like? Who are you? Where do you come from? I spent this past week uh, on a day just talking to a friend about their story. Tell me your story because I just want to understand you better. I wonder if we would be less judgmental if we just took the time to simply ask somebody their story. Number two, we should recognize the difference between godly standards and personal convictions. We should recognize the difference between godly standards and personal convictions. You see, the Holy Spirit generally shapes all of us to be more like Jesus. And we've got great godly standards in the scripture. Um, thou shalt not kill. Um, thou shalt not steal. Um, don't sleep with somebody that's not your spouse. So don't have unforgiveness. We've got general judgments uh, and general, general uh, what's the word, convictions that we all are supposed to have to shape all of us to be more like Jesus. And yet there are personal convictions that the Spirit of God can give us as individuals that the Spirit of God might say no for you, that he might say yes for somebody else. Why is that? Because the Spirit of God works in us as a whole, but also works individually in our lives. And we've got to be cautious that a personal conviction is not going to be a personal conviction necessarily for everybody around us. Number three. You can't properly love others if all you do is sit in judgment of them. We can't possibly love other people if we sit constantly in judgment of them. Mother Teresa said it best. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. If that's our mode is to look at what's wrong with everybody around us, we're going to miss out on the opportunity to love the people in our lives. Pastor, you don't know who I work with. You're right, I don't know who you work with. But this is one thing I do know is they need to know who they're working with. And to sit in a place of judgment all the time is not the place, where you're gonna honestly run out of opportunities to love them where they're at. And love is not conditioned on anything. It's predicated upon the person of Jesus, which leads me to number four. 
Instead of giving people what you think they deserve, show them what they should expect from Jesus. Instead of giving people what they deserve, show them what to expect of Jesus. One of the best stories in the gospels is a woman that was found guilty of adultery. Still wish I knew where the man was that was with her at the time, but she was taken and thrown in front of Christ and everyone surrounded her with stones. And Jesus sat down with her in the dirt and everybody said, this is what she deserves. And I wonder if so many times that we can look at people and we just wanna give them what they deserve. But I would submit as Christ followers, instead of giving people what we think they deserve, let's show them what they should expect from a savior. And we need to get back. And even instead of starting with judge not, some of us need to take a step back into the compassion of the father. And if we can get a full view of the compassion of the father, we then can get into the verse number 36, 37, 38, and begin to see the issue of judgment and hypocrisy and forgiveness and begin to realize if it not were for the grace of God, we would be just as lost. But we get taste of the compassion of God. It gets us to the place where when I feel the compassion of God, I no longer want to judge people with condemnation. I want to give them grace. I want to pour grace out because I know if I can show grace, God will give me grace. And the measurement that I use, that measuring cup, I keep imagining in my hand. I want to have, I don't want a teaspoon. I want the tablespoon. I want the big old measuring cup that I use at home. I want that to begin to keep pouring grace out, keep pouring out forgiveness, keep pouring out love because that's the type of way I want God to treat me. Jesus made judgments about where people stood, but Jesus never in any way ceased to offer them grace. I want to say that again. Jesus never, excuse me, Jesus made judgments about where people stood. He could call people out. He had no problem connecting with people. He had no problem saying, go and sin no more. He had no problem with confronting the religious, which seems like is the people he always confronted. He had no problem with confrontation, but it never stopped him from being a vessel of grace. So how do we deal with passages like this? Honestly, it matters what you grow it around. In my backseat right now, I bought, I bought some beans. Ethan got in the car, he's like, what are these? They're, they're, they're beans. And I started thinking about magic beans and trading the cow, getting the magic beans, getting the jack and the beans stock and just being silly. Um, but I'm wanting to grow beans in our house. All of a sudden we're trying to grow things. And there's something about beans that I actually bought it for an illustration here. And my wife's like, you do realize they're not going to grow in front of you and the illustration is not going to work. So we're going to have to use our imaginations because I couldn't find a bean plant. But the beauty of bean plants is after you grow them, when they start sprouting, you begin to stick like lattice, sometimes sticks. Sometimes something's called a trellis. You will stick something along so that those roots go down and the vines begin to grow up and attach and they will attach themselves to whatever, whatever skeleton and form that you want them to grow around. You plant the seed but it matters what form you place around that seed. And I wonder if that's what we've, if what we've done with scripture is we've spun it wrong because of what we've grown it around. Some of us have planted the seed of the word in our lives and we stuck an American flag in the dirt and we begin to form scripture around what benefits being an American. And listen, I love being an American. I love who I am and I love the country that I live in. And I'm thankful for people like my grandfather who served. But I wonder if we are spinning scripture around 
what it means best to be an American instead of what it means best being a Christ follower. Or instead of a flag, we, we place our political party next to what the word is doing in our life and we begin to grow scripture around the idea of what benefits our political parties. And we could stick whatever into the, into the ground, into the soil of our lives. And if we're not careful that we can, we can read scripture and let things begin to grow, but they begin to get shaped around whatever we planted around that. And I wonder if we can just get rid of all of whatever trellises and things that we've tried to grow it on. I wonder if we just put Jesus there and just said, Lord, I don't want it to be a I don't want to be anything else except that which forms around who you are. I want whatever I understand in scripture to form not around my preference, not about around my country, not around my political party. I want to form my preference not around um, anything other than the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want this series to be about. Is I, th- I am so afraid that we've taken so many scriptures and we have spun them to give us a desired ending instead of, Lord, I'm gonna step into who you are and what you're saying in your scriptures so that you can bring me to your desired ending. Why? Because we need to be a people of the scriptures, a people of the word. And in today's message, we can't be a people that tend to text Jack what we want and to use it for what we desire But I'm praying that the Lord today would begin with this simple verse, do not judge, and help revive a spirit of repentance, a spirit of grace, a spirit of truth that would help our church body be a place where we love people into the kingdom because we recognize that we will never be able to judge them into the kingdom. I wanna pray for you. And I just wanted you, I want to ask that you would just pray for our entire church body that this next, these next eight weeks would just be weeks where we would just do some simple stepping back from scriptures to see what does it say? What does it say around it? What does the greater context say? Not just so we can know more stuff. I just don't want to know more scripture. I want the scripture to know me, to be in me and to have fruit born from my life that would shape me, that would shape you to be more like Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the work that you do in all of us. And Lord, I'm thankful that you began this passage with that which we all need and we crave in its grace. Lord, it's that same grace that I love the words of that old hymn that says, it saved a wretch like me. Lord, I refuse to say a wretch like somebody else or a wretch like this person or that person. Lord, I just start here and say, Lord, thank you for your amazing grace that saved this wretch. Thank you for compassion. And Lord, I pray that compassion today would do literally what that scripture does. It helps confront us so that we're not pinpointing the faults in other people, but we could start with our own. Because if we can see grace that we are receiving, I bet you we'd be more apt to pour grace out to the people around us that need it. Lord, help us to be a people who learn how to judge correctly, but at the same time, not sit on a seat of judgment because that's in your hands. So anoint our hearts and our minds. Take us deeper into your scriptures. Take the inspired scripture and let it inspire our lives, 
not so it grows into a form that, sh that just shows allegiances toward a country or toward a political party or to a bias or a preference. Let it all form to show a greater image of Jesus Christ. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.